And welcome everybody to another week of Second Chance this is Jim. Podcast. Welcome I did it. To I fucked up. I bought more notepads. Um, dude, I can't. I can't. You know, if I can get hobbits for under two hundred bucks, I'm gonna do it every fucking time. Every time. Like I got a package deal. I got two hobbits. Uh basically in a box for like three. Actually, I've been telling everybody it was like tree. I don't know. It was cheap. But like they need work, so like basically I want to wash out of one so I can have a part spike. I mean that's what it's gonna end up being. Um, speaking of which, I gotta go to the garage and freaking hit one up with uh, what you gonna call it with uh, evapor rust because that thing is crusty on the inside. Um, but yeah, I got out and rode. I got out and rode first time since my accident, and like you know. <laughs> Everybody handles accident, moped accidents their own way. Um, I'm a firm believer in if something scares you, you have to push through that. And, like, the anxiety was there. Like, I start worrying about shit falling off. The, I just, like, just fucking ride. Just fucking ride. And that's what I did. Like, stay on the horse. And, you know, I'm excited. I'm excited for Chicago. I'm, uh, I got so much work to do on bikes in general. Um, talking uh, chit chat with Jason a little bit. I'm op- over moped Monday on Sunday. Like, he, t- I gave him shit about his fall a little bit. Like, dude, everybody falls on a moped. If you you, well, it doesn't matter. Like on a long enough timeline, you're gonna put a bike down eventually. I mean, that's just statistics and odds. It doesn't matter how great of a rider you are. Shit happens. Um. But speaking of which, hold on, hold on. We're bringing it back, folks. <sighs> Got that coffee going, boys and girls. And I'm going to give you all a little secret to coffee. If you have some bunk-ass shit that just sucks, um, throw like two dashes of salt in your coffee grounds before you brew it. Grandma Henry taught me that shit years ago, and it fucking mellows everything out. Um and that's what I had to do because, like, I don't know how the hell I got this fucking, like, 25-pound can of ground uh, Costco coffee, but I do. And it's goddamn terrible. And I have yet to go buy real coffee because I'm lazy. So, anyways, but back to the story at hand. We, I went to the um, Clark's brother, the Moped Brothers Rally, uh, up in Michigan a couple months ago or a month ago with three weeks. I don't know, something like that. Timelines, it doesn't matter. I'm yawning at 7.30. I'm old. Um, And a few people showed up there that I was really interested to talk to, but just life, blah, blah, blah. we didn't get to talk. And one of these people are it. And I figured what better way to, like, other than do the handshake, superficial, like, you know, talk to him for 20 seconds, not remember anything. But why not get to know him on the podcast? So... Uh, right now, I'm going to have my guest introduce themselves. Uh, I'm Riley. Uh, I'm from Grand Rapids. I'm currently captain of the Ghost Riders. Riley, Riley, Riley. I am excited to have you on because um, just the history of the Ghost Riders. I had Miguel on a month or so ago. He's a really nice guy. Um, but I can't wait to see your story because you ride. I have so much respect for you for the bike you ride. Because uh, I followed one a couple of years ago through the fucking countryside at Urban Express. Um, so, Riley, here on Second Chance Moped Podcast, we go through people's moped journey, i.e. the very first time they ever saw a moped to, like, the smile ride, 
middle part and what it's like today. So, Riley, let me ask you this. What was the first time you could ever remember seeing a moped? Not necessarily getting on, but like your first memory of, yes, that was a moped. Well, I grew up in Kalamazoo. And so I remember a couple times when I was younger seeing like probably the Decepticon, like early moped army riding and meeting at like a shop downtown. Mm-hmm. And I was like, those are pretty cool. And my family had also at the time had like a, uh, dirt bike and moped dealership. Awesome. And so I, every time I go to my grandpa's place, they had uh, like Tomoses and stuff around. So, Was this in Kalamazoo? This was in Spring Lake. It was Quirky Cycles. Okay. What was it called again? Quirky's Cycles. Okay. Quirky's? Yeah. Okay. That's my grandpa's name. And uh, he opened the shop uh, in like the 80s or so and was open for like 30 years nice um so you remember seeing that growing up as a kid always probably had him around i mean you you saw him growing up you're in kalamazoo you're kind of in the heartbeat of the scene for a while there um what was the first time do you remember ever riding it riding him open at first or like tell me about getting on a bike finally or did you just always ride well i started riding dirt bikes when i was like eight uh, my family raced dirt bikes, so we'd go every weekend and yeah. do that. And so I got into dirt bikes, and we always had a couple mopeds, like, in, in the barn in the back, like, ones that didn't sell from the shop or whatever. And there was this really nice um, Tomos. Uh, it's like the Targa-style top tank. It was the Golden Bullet TPLX, mm-hmm. so A3 kickstart top tank with the black and gold. Mm-hmm. And uh, it sat for a long time, and I always wanted it as a kid. And... Um, Eventually, when I turned 15, you know, Michigan, you get the moped license. Mm-hmm. So they just gave me that. And I had like a kind of just like off the showroom old Tomos. Dude, that's awesome. Yeah, I daily that pretty much all through high school and like my first two years of college. Right on. Um, So you were just daily in that. Was that, were you getting your fingers on the pulse at all? Like, I obviously you knew about 77, I'm getting like, did you start doing performance stuff right away? Or did, were you just happy with the stock Tomos? Yeah, and no, I had a, a bike turbo we had put on it that, like, I think my uh, grandpa had put on it back at the shop. And it was basically just stock Tomos, the bike turbo. It did good enough for me. I mean, I was only, like, 15, 16 at the time when I first got it. And yeah. it's slow compared to the dirt bike, but, you know, it got me around because we lived in, like, kind of rural southwest Michigan at that point. So, like, I wasn't near, I was, like, 40 minutes south of Kalamazoo. Okay. I couldn't really get like involved too much with the moped scene. Were you um, poking like, did that interest you at all is what I'm wondering. Cause like, are we just like off doing your own thing as a kid or did like the moped army thing or any, did any of that really interest you at that point? Cause you're, you're yeah, kind of on the cusp of it, but you're not in it as you said. So like, I'm just kind of interested to see what, like to hear what like a kid who kind of grew up around the, that whole scene but wasn't quite there yeah like um i always liked them like two-stroke bikes and stuff and then Mm -hmm. i had found moped army at a point like a couple years after having the uh the the tomos and uh so like i knew it was a thing and i had seen it when i was a kid like so i knew there was like a club of some sort you know like Mm -hmm. i lived in kalamazoo at a younger age and i'd see you know groups of the old mopeds right now so that looks cool and so then i found moped army and then at one point i actually did I remember, you know, I think Andy Scout was, like, the first person I met in mopeds. I met him when I was, like, 15, talking to him on Moped Army. 
of course andy's such a gem like you <laughs> met the you met the right person in mopeds yeah. <laughs> pretty much and so i then i had gotten in touch with a couple i think uh decons at the time because they would ride down through Dwajak, this town i was in apparently to a camp or somewhere mm-hmm. I, I don't exactly remember who it was and i tried to meet them a couple times but like it never lined up you know they were like at the gas station in town at a certain time yeah, yeah. I, I ran into a couple of random like you know randos on yamaha qt50s that were like hey you want to ride mopeds and then like, I, don't, I don't care about that <laughs> <laughs> they're like we're getting beer leave us alone yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um so you're kind of dabbling with that uh playing with uh um moped what was your first introduction to like getting you said you had those almost hits when was your first like seeing thing then when was like i'm wondering like how did you finally kind of connect with the greater community so i didn't get involved officially with like in like a mopeds or like in a group until about i think 2016 2015 i had moved back to grand rapids because i was living in, in florida for a bit and I had I'm, some mopeds sorry, down there. I'm sorry. Nobody wants to wish that upon anybody. And I'm glad you got out alive. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so I was like, come down to Florida. I know there was some moped stuff happening there, but I never lived in that area. And uh, I decided I wanted to go back to Grand Rapids. And I was actually born in Grand Rapids, but we moved when I was like only two or something. Mm-hmm. And I knew there was a club there through Facebook and stuff. And um, so I just like gone on the Ghost Rider page at the time and posted up that I was like heading up there and I had some bikes, you know, a little picture of the bikes in my van. And um yeah, they're really excited. Like they just texted me the address of the shop and I show up and like, I don't know if this is the place. It's kind of just like an old warehouse and <laughs> uh, uh Matt uh Nordier, the one of the ghost riders popped out of the door and he's like the first ghost rider I met. And uh yeah, went in and they showed me the place and I was like, this is pretty cool. And I was kind of just like staying in my RV at the time. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was like, they're like, oh, no, you can just hang out here. And I was like, oh, well, this is cool. <laughs> it's like, a, you know, they had a pretty nice like hangout shop. And they, they all were working on bikes and they had powder coating and everything. I was like, oh, my gosh, this is like, the perfect place to be. Because I had built, like, full-on built a maxi mm-hmm. out of, like, a cargo trailer in Key West before I came up there. Because I was just like, I see all these cool Mopa builds. But, like, I'm not in any club. Like, I'm just going to build a bike. And so I uh, had, had like a pretty nice maxi when I showed up there. So they're all like surprised that this random person shows up with like a powder coated, tricked out bike. And so that was like, you know, really the ghost riders thing at the time. They were, yeah. You know, making all these nice powder coated hobbits and stuff and cool racks of bikes and whatever. Well, that's awesome that you came into mopeds with like all this background knowledge of two stroke, like, and just small bikes in general. Like, you're one of the person, because I'm assuming you worked on stuff growing up as a kid, being a racer, um, racing dirt bikes and all that stuff. So like you had the background knowledge, even though these things are just a little different than everything else, but they're still, they are what they are. Um, what were you like, how did you acquire the maxi in Florida? Was that just like a random find? Cause like I always find the whole Florida moped scene really weirdly fascinating. Cause like, they didn't yeah. exist there naturally, I feel. Yeah, I got two weird deals on mopeds there. It's actually the, the third and fourth moped I'd ever owned. So I moved all the way down to Key West. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
one year and um I was like okay i really want a moped because this like little island is like perfect for getting around on like moped mm-hmm. scooters things like that and uh there was like nothing in the keys at all tons of space like scooter territory no mopeds yep and so i finally found like a guy selling a couple boots up in Miami and they're way overpriced like 700 bucks and this is in 2013 so so when you're getting them for 50 bucks up in Michigan at that point yeah exactly yeah and so I was like this is fucked but I bought it anyway so I sold both my cars when I got down or one of my cars when I got down there so I was like well I should like get some mopeds and so I got this this stock blue maxi for seven hundred dollars but then on the same trip, I bought a brand new at the time. It was a 2011 Tomo Streetmate um, for 500 bucks. And it had 50 miles on it. Like it was like off the showroom, just from like a Tomo dealer. Some some family bought it. She, the girl that bought it, wrote it for like 20 miles. And then it blew up because they had put a kit and a pipe on it at the dealer and like didn't upset it at all. Yeah. But it was like basically brand new. They parked it. It's that for two years. So on the same trip of buying that $700 Maxi, I bought uh, this $500 basically brand new street made that sold for like 2000 bucks at the time. Mm-hmm. And put a new airsoft kit on it. It already had to buy turbo. And it was like, well, there we go. Like get in brand new Tomos for, you know, 600 bucks basically. Yeah. Especially living in Key West, you could put your 12 pack of beer in the trunk of them. Yeah. So you're, you're living life. That's awesome. Um, yeah, we took it on a trip and uh, later, because it was actually uh, uh, my boyfriend at the time, Logan's, that was his bike, and I got it for him. And we took a trip to Kelly's Island. We fit like a whole like 30 rack into the trunk. It was like half sticking out. But Beautiful. The only useful part of the street night. That's what, that's what I need. I want people to start posting like unique ways to carry stuff on a moped. Like not the obnoxious one where like the, Indian family, the Indian family, like, has 35 people on a bike. Like, I want to see the shit we carry on bikes. Like, Fred from LSLB, like, has a front rack. He had a pizza on today. I want to see people hauling beers. And, like, I fucked up. I gave, see, like, Riley, I don't drink. But, like, I gave away the perfect 12-rack beer case holders on my Mondial. I gave it to my chase driver. I should steal it back from him and put it on a bike for, like, sell it to U of M student in Minnesota and like, Hey, you can haul your beer on this, like, and put, show them like the PB PBRs that hold in there perfectly. Um, I, I, I find that cute when people haul just obnoxious shit on a moped. Cause it's already obnoxious. Um, so you had that street mate, you had that maxi, you got him out of Miami. How did you fight? Was it a Craigslist deal? Or was it because marketplace wasn't really around at this point? Like yeah, they, so- they were both yeah, they were both Craigslist deals, I believe. I was in like Craigslist, South Florida. Mm-hmm. One the uh, Maxi was in like Miami or something, and the Tomos was in Boca Raton. So they were like, oh, there we go. Phones like doing weird things. They were uh, they were both like reasonable to do in the same trip. So yeah, um, like I said. The whole Florida scene fascinates me because it's not like they had a halfway thriving moped scene there for a bit. And now they have like King Snake and those guys doing that drag racing scene, which yeah. I, regardless, 
I find it hilarious. Like I, I see that shit and I smile and clap my hands. I'm just like, dude, this is so rad. Um, so you may, you make your way back up to Michigan. Have you, at this point, before you met the Ghost Riders, had you done anything in the greater scene? Had you been to a rides or rallies or anything like this at this point? The only prior thing I did, there was at one point when I was like 16, I went down to, I think it was like Goshen or Elkhart at the time. It was like the like original, like, I think was like the original like motion left moped shop. They had like a yep. little white house. And then they had like a, like a roll up door kind of space. And they had, I remember just, they had like a bunch of these bikes in there and I got like a gasket set and some rings for my pook that I had at the time. Right on. That was like um, the old- pulling up to the light when we were looking for the shop and there was some guy like on a pretty kitted out French bike that went flying by. I was like, Oh, we must be close. <laughs> yeah. That's always rad. Ah, I wish there'd be more shops like that around. Who knows? We'll see what happens. Um, so you make your way up to Michigan. You see, you're at the ghost Rider shop. You see all these people like that had to be pretty like overwhelming at that point in your life, especially like that long drive, making your way up there, seeing all these other like-minded moped people. Granny, you said you'd been on the internet, been on Moped Army doing that stuff. Um, what was the first time you got out and rode with people then? Like, that's that's something I will always remember my first group ride. Yeah, it was pretty shortly after meeting the Ghost Riders because they had a pretty active, like, you know, riding and, like, a lot of community. So they were, they were out, like, testing bikes all the time in the street because that shop was really cool. And um, they did, like, regular Monday rides. so. I think that like following Monday, they were just, I came up. So I was hanging out at the shop a lot. So it was like kind of still winter when I came up and in the RV, the heat was not great. <laughs> and they're like, oh, no, you can just like hang out here. And so I hung out at the shop a lot. And then, yeah, I think the following Monday did a ride. I had that, you know, that cool pook I brought up. But within like the first week there, I did some like clutch work on it to make it better and stuff. And they, I think uh, Andre, like one of the other first ghost riders that I met, he gave me some like cool clutch springs for it and stuff. Right on, right on. Um, so let me ask you this. What you, you rode with them a bit, you did that. What was your first rally experience? Uh, first rally was a camping rally. It was a no nose rally. Um, I think it was 2016. Okay. What was yeah, that? What I, was that like for you? Like just the first, and did your bike, Granda, I think you probably did, but did your bike? Uh, did your bike make it all the way through the rally? Yeah, both the bikes made it. Like I had the my boyfriend on the Tomos, and that thing was still running good. And the uh, the the Pook, it was actually a different bike at that time, same motor from that Maxi. But the uh, prior to that rally, the um, the axle had broke, and the frame got kind of messed up. Mm-hmm. Uh, it didn't like crash or anything, but it just kind of got like really twisted and everything was, was just kind of tweaked with that frame. And so I ended up getting this Pinto frame that was like chopped up and then powder coated and swapped my motor onto it and everything. So it was like a whole different bike basically by the rally, just the engine from the other bike, but it made it all the way through, you know, no issues with either of the bikes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you made it through the rally. Did you win anything on your first raffle or did you participate? Like I always find that, that's something we don't talk enough about on the show. Like, I do good at raffles. Like, I, I'm I'm not even gonna like 
be the guy who like knocks on wood. Like you, you were there at the Clark's. Like I won. That's what I do. I win yeah. raffle stuff. So like, and I yeah, spent no, I've, forty I've... bucks, people. I don't buy busloads of tickets. Yeah, it's, it's just lucky, I guess. Like I've, I think I've won something maybe once or twice at a raffle, and it, mm-hmm. it's always been something like small, you know, like a. Um, I don't know what I won once. I don't remember. I think it was like some small part um, that wasn't for like a bike I had. Like so they gave it that's, away. But that's the way it goes. Like, and so I'm guessing you didn't win anything on your first raffle. Um, one thing I, I normally participate. I normally try and spend you know like twenty, thirty bucks. You know, the Clark's one. I I, I bought kind of like a lot of tickets because I like that derby. But you know, <laughs> and I'm. That derby was really cool, and I'm really happy for the person who won it. Um, I won't, I was pretty close to those numbers as well, though. Like, I was just like, oh, like I was within a number or two away, which was made me so happy that somebody else won it. Um, when you went to that rally, did that kind of just cement your what? It, what was your takeaways from that first rally? I mean, it was awesome. Like I, you know, seen a lot of stuff about rallies. Like so before the moped scene, you know, moped army, they were always posting like rally videos and stuff. Like you know, making like the promo videos. It was like mm-hmm. these look really cool. And so to get to actually go to one was was fun. We took the RV at the time, and like, you know, I was still for like to just showing up. Like I wasn't even a prospect in the Ghost Riders, and they were like invited a bunch of them to come on the. We all loaded up in my RV and drove it out there. And I think there was like seven seven of us that went. Nice. Get a lot of people in the thing, but yeah, lots cool. of bathroom breaks. Right now, I'm joking. Um, <laughs> I give credit to anybody who can get in a big bus or van or anything like that and go as a group to a rally because I can't. Like, I like to I like to show up solo because then like I can leave solo. But like anybody who shows up as a group and has that discipline, like a double thumbs up to you. Yeah, we had a pretty cool bus for a while in the Ghost Riders. Uh, we bought when I later when I was in the club, and it was like this big church school bus, and and we had some crazy experiences in that. Like it broke down once on the way to a, a, a rally in Richmond, and we were stranded for like a day. <laughs> um, we'll we'll chit chat about that bus here in a little bit. Uh, so you talked about you weren't even prospecting yet. What at what point did you start to prospect for the Ghost Riders? I think it was, it was pretty soon. Like, um, I think after that first rally, shortly after they prospected me and Logan, because we both showed up at the same time. Right on. Uh, what was there, what was the thing you had to do back in the day for um, prospecting? And I know it was such a huge group at one point. Um, what, 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 like some clubs, like I know some clubs, shoot, you don't even need to go to an out-of-state rally and you're in the club. Like, you don't really have to build a bike and you're in the club. Um, what was the Ghost Riders' um, requirements to, like, get in the club? Or did they have any things? Was it just hang out with us and you're cool? Yeah, like, they always kind of had a mentality, and I still, like, definitely go with this with the Ghost Riders. Is like, new members, we want them to, like, ride, wrench, and rally. You know, like, mm-hmm. you got to come on, you got to ride, you got to work on your bike. And you got to go to at least a rally, you know, yeah. like if you're not doing these things, it's 
not hard to like, you know, vote somebody in, I guess. But that that was basically their thing. And then, you know, there's all the club stuff, you know, getting iced and things like that. I don't know. Right on. We'll hold on just a second here because you went robot on me and now you're back, it looks like. Um, yeah. I, I always say robot when they just slow down. But no, right, right, that's uh, rad. Um, how long of a prospecting period well, is it or was it for you? Like some people, you got to do it uh, for a year or some people, you got to do it for three months or like what? Like, Yeah, no, it wasn't very long for us. Like we prospected for probably six months or so maybe seven months and they voted us in at like the i think the end of that the end of year of 2016 or maybe spring of 2017 i'm trying to remember exactly when it was but yeah i think it it was less than a year for sure right on um so let me ask you this and I don't know how you want to go into this now with it. Like the ghost riders was one of the biggest clubs in the country. Um, and now you guys kind of have whittled away. Like what's going, I don't want to, I don't want to dig into dirt or segue like right in like, what's the state of the ghost riders now, but like what happened to the bus first? Like, where is the bus? Cause everybody hears about the ghost riders bus. Like they're the first club that I knew of that had a bus and then black, black got one. But like, you guys were the first. What happened to the bus? Like, where's that? I think, well, as far as I know, Black Black definitely had a bus before us, unless there was a prior bus to our bus. Because I did fix the Black Black bus, and I think the first Zeros rally I ever went to was we were on the Black Black bus. <laughs> um, but our, all right, go ahead. No, no, no I'm interrupting you. Um, yeah, our bus or whatever. Let me think here. Yeah, Andre, it was um, where it went, I guess, after, like, um, the club started getting smaller at a point, like, um, people were moving and whatever. It was kind of just like, well, we have this bus sitting around. We're not using it as much. So Andre from the club, he moved up north and took it and actually converted it and lived out of it for a couple of years. Okay. And then he had recently sold it. So it's like just left the club's possession, like, a few months ago. But it had issues it was like pretty old and broke on us a few times so. well you know the, even if you get a new bus even if you get a new bus you they can break on you um i remember hearing the story of the zeros when they went down to nashville with their bus like they had so many issues but they got it lined out and good now um what and i'm i'm kind of just eh, i'm blanking here for a second but like what was the you talked about going to richmond for rallies like which what rallies what was the farthest you ever rode because like we can all fly to rallies you know especially some of us who like are lucky enough to have the adult jobs oh all my emails from work are coming in right now we had just a shit show of a day and we had overnight a lot of parts people um but what was the farthest you've ever ridden in a vehicle to go to a rally I'm trying to it was either the Pentagram rally in New York or maybe the Omaha rallies, uh, rally of the corn in Nebraska. Okay. Um I'm not sure which one's farther, but always left from Michigan. And I've never left flown to a rally, just always always driven. Good for you. Like that's 
That's awesome. Like I have been very lucky and lazy and have been able to fly to rallies and um <laughs> that can I've had very awesome experiences and then I've had upjet experiences and that's all I'll say about that. <laughs> like um <laughs> fucking upjet. Um when you when you when you what was your experience like going to like Nebraska for a rally because that's that's a desolate ride. I mean, I love Vale and Jordan yeah. and those kids in Omaha. But fuck, dude, like ah uh, PTSD. I've ridden mopeds through that state. Like it's just all like ah. Uh. Yeah, I didn't drive to town of Omaha itself. It kind of felt like Grand Rapids a little bit, like with the kind of the big hills and the valley kind of to it. They have a hill. Okay, yeah. let's not get yeah. let's uh, let's settle down. Let's not give them too well, much that, credit. The, the, the part of town is like on a hill, you know, and I was like, oh, that's kind of like half of Grand Rapids is on a hill. So. I'm just messing with you. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, so yeah, that was, it was more of a town than I thought it would be. That's for sure. It's actually kind of surprising. I mean, it's almost. I heard they got internet a couple years ago, so they got that going. <laughs> uh, I love busting chops to like Nebraska and Dakotas. I mean, they shouldn't be. What's your, what's your feeling on the South and North Dakota? Should they just be one state? I mean, it's really kind of just, I mean, it's Dakotas. I mean, just make big Dakota or something. Just big Dakota. That's what we should go with. Big Dakota. And then like they could argue with Texas about like being so big and, you know, subseding from America. We have options here. Um, But what, are you the type of person that's always looking for the deal on mopeds or like trying to what what's your what's your moped history been like because i've always been that guy like looking for the deal and like chasing down the deal uh what's what's that like for you riley i've i've had a few good deals but i've kind of like stuck with the, the bikes i've had for the last few years but like I do, I, I did see a couple good deals pop up. Of course, as soon as we left the state for work, it's like, oh, like here's two bikes that were totally buy that I'm not going to be around for. <laughs> but like my first moped deal, the first moped I ever bought, I'd say, because the Tomos, the original um, Golden Bullet, was given to me. Mm -hmm. um, the second bike, it was I was 16, riding the the Tomos down like this country road, so it's kind of out in the middle of nowhere near Dwajak. And I was mm -hmm. coming up on Edwardsburg, which is like a neighboring town. And there was just like on the street on the side of the highway, there was just like a really nice, like minty pook Newport uh, to the ZA, just, just sitting in this front yard. And I, I went out and the guy sold it to me for like 150 bucks. And it's just been like in a garage forever and was like immaculate. Started Dude, right awesome. up. Like that's freaking. Now, I'm. Did you do anything to let ZA? Like that's that's the everybody talks about the black magic that is a Vespa. But, yeah, dude, the, the, is on level. but the secret dark arts is the, like making a ZA fly. Like cuz you don't mm -hmm. see it. Yeah, I did the trick, you know, you flip the clutch and then I put a pipe on it and like that was about it. I was 16 and didn't have a lot of money, so like I that was just like a pretty stock mod little bike. Mm -hmm. Um, what, what did that get? Like, I don't even know what a ZA does stock. Like, that's how ignorant I am to the whole ZA scene. Yeah, the first thing I did, it was totally stock. First thing I did was drill out the baffle in it a little bit. Drilled out the stock baffle, and that gave me like 
two mile an hour more on it and so it would do like it do like 32 maybe mm-hmm. you know and uh, the tomos at the time with the biturbo is definitely faster the eight oh yeah like it would go like 35 40 pretty reliably with like yep. stock you know top ends and um so I was like, oh, you know, this thing's slow, but like, I know you can do more with kooks. And that's like why I was looking for one at the time. Cause like, you know, in 2000, whatever, nine or whatever, there wasn't a lot of aftermarket for A3. No. So, you know, I was like, oh, like the kooks definitely have like kits and stuff. And I always wanted to put a kit on that one, but I just couldn't afford it. Um. What did flipping that second gear clutch do? Like, what is that? Like, I'm did that pick up your speed? Did it pick up acceleration? I think I might have lost. Yeah, I think it's the the first gear, I believe. Okay, you can flip it. Um, yep, I can hear you now. Riley is right now, you're in Arkansas, and I'm in Philadelphia, Mississippi. You're in Mississippi, okay. Yeah. I knew it was one of those states. Like, uh, so Riley has no real internet. This is a state that just got internet last week. Uh, so, like, that's why you're going to hear some glitches in the podcast now again. But we'll work through it. It's all good. Um, so, flipping that first clutch, what does that do for a ZA? Does that like pick up speed? Like, I like I said, I'm ignorant as fuck. Yeah, it just revs out a bit more before it shifts, so you okay. kind of get like a little better takeoff and stuff on it. Right on, right on. It's just like okay. one of those tricks, you know, you flip the clutch or whatever. And it's, uh, well, like I've heard people hard. talk about flipping the first gear clutch for years. I never knew what it did until you educated me a little bit on that. That's awesome because I have to go pick up my ZA from the Zeros one of these, maybe I'll, one of these weekends. Um, God, I just thought of a terrible punishment to do to myself. Drive to Toledo two weekends in a row for Minnesota. We'll see what happens, though, because I've got bikes there that I need to go get. Um, when we're at your, like, moped hoarding status, what was, like, the most amount of mopeds you've ever had then? Uh, I'm trying to think. I think the most I've ever had is probably around, like, six. That's, not, that's very healthy habit. That's nothing, nothing yeah. to be ashamed of or to be like, I, I forget how many mopeds I have sometimes. I'm not Chad. I'm not Chad Burke. Like I, I mean like, but I have, I have like 10 now. I don't know how this happened, but like, it's, it's just happens. Yeah. I might be inheriting some of like Logan's bikes. He's kind of like getting out of mopeds a bit. I got him <sighs> into mopeds. So. It's uh, he's got like a snark and a, a few other like a hobbit pieces and stuff that like I started talking about just have given to me to sell eventually or whatever. So it's like I kind of like maintaining like ten bikes, but personally <laughs> only on like six right now, <laughs> maybe five. <laughs> um, so you're a captain of the Ghost Riders. Um, the Ghost Riders are such a big club, like. How did your captainship happen? Like, how, like, I'm trying to say this in a tactful way. Like, what happened? Like, how did they go from, like, being huge to, like, not being so, or is it, like, yeah. Like, was it just people got old? 
a bit. It's like a culmination of things. There's kind of like you had like the old school ghost riders. Definitely like several kind of age groups of it, where there's like an older group that was around, but like they're not riding as often, and you know, hanging out a lot at the shop. And then we kind of have like two, I guess, like younger groups. Like there's like a big shift of new riders at a point, and it was like right at the the time kind of when like Grand Rapids was getting like really developed with all the breweries coming in and like everything's getting like really gentrified and fixed up and we had a pretty nice shop on the west side and uh our building basically got bought out mm. by some guy like an investor from california came in bought the building kicked us out uh and we've been there for like in that shop i think for like three four years or something at that point and uh yeah, after after not having like a shop, the the group kind of really split up because we we didn't have like anywhere to go, mm-hmm. and like there was probably about like, thirty active members regularly, with like fifty or so that was like total that would show up and do stuff. And there was a lot of going on. There was other group of agents of Third Coast at the time, and they would like come over and ride. So we'd have like these big, pretty big, like twenty plus Monday rides like weekly. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, there was like a point I think the agent's shop had shut down. And like they kind of like disappeared, and there was like some black black members in town that like had would come out and ride. Just a lot of people moved because the rent like tripled in Grand Rapids within like two years. Oh geez, yeah, yeah. You couldn't find like any industrial space to rent anymore because everything was getting turned into breweries, and it like kind of killed the moped scene because the town just blew up so quick out of nowhere that everything instantly became unaffordable, or like you couldn't even get the space. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Cause like, man, you can't find. And I know a few years ago, I was trying to help a nonprofit find a space, like a large area for like work. And like, it's hard to find that. And like, even when you're like a legit nonprofit, trying to find a decent sized space, like finding a moped warehouse is like real. Like, yeah, yeah. from like twenty eight hundred square feet down to like a little, like thousand square foot building that we rented later like maybe 1200 square feet and couldn't do anything with it it was on this really busy part of town like like massive five lane roads like riding mopeds to get to the shop was like pretty sketchy Mm -hmm. and it was way out of town compared to our old locations like a lot of members didn't want to like ride that far out to the shop Mm -hmm. um so who ended up with like where's a lot of the equipment did that get sold off is there anywhere like yeah and a lot of stuff when we moved out of that big shop uh had to get sold and we moved some of it but like we had like a like a diy like sandblasting cabinet that was built in like an old oil furnace waste oil tank and had like a a stand-up oven for powder coating and stuff and i think a lot of that stuff got sold off we had some vending machines they got sold off some of the benches got moved. But like a lot of the stuff in the shop is stuff people had built like personally and brought in. Mm-hmm. And uh, a lot of it just went back to people's houses and stuff. Cause we're like, we got to move out, you know, this huge space we had to clear out. Cause ours is set up. They called it like the stables. And it was like a lot of little half walls to make kind of like horse stall kind of things. Everybody would have like a little space they'd rent with their personal like bench and just store their bikes and stuff. Mm-hmm. So it was kind yeah. of on you to just clean out the little space. And, you know, before the end of the month when we lose the shop and, so everybody just kind of took stuff home, and I think at that point, like a lot of stuff got sold off, and like a few people moved, and I moved yeah. shortly after. 
I yeah. would have gone at this point. But... Are you back in Grand Rapids now? or? Yeah, yeah, I moved back this spring. Awesome. Um, you're on the road right now, but like, are you guys doing like a weekly ride still? Are you guys posting up about that? Because like, I had somebody ask me, and like, I'm not in a club. Like, I'll be the first one to admit that. And like, the last couple of years, I've really trailed off from showing up on uh, the Thursdays in Minnesota, just because like, Baker's kind of changed a lot of things about mopeds for me. Um, but like. The, the the scenes that I see that have like the healthiest like growing is like consistent weekly rides like that's that just facts I mean you look at everybody doing it the consistent weekly ride like Minnesota has a very healthy scene um now I'm blanking on the other uh up in Seattle they have their moped Mondays that are just healthy as hell Richmond has kind of tapered off and you've seen that like and I can't I don't know what's going on with the scene there but like and you hear some other places that don't necessarily post up about it but like they have weekly scenes like New York I know does um but like are you guys still doing your weekly Monday moped rides or is just kind of sporadic yeah we definitely are we've been pretty um regular with them uh I post up we have a like the Facebook page I think it's just Grand Rapids Ghost Riders Moped Club mm-hmm. and um so I post up in there when I can and if I don't one of the other members will make a post we normally do it like the day of before and just we've had a pretty usual meetup spot we're, we're moving it around now but uh yeah well, every week we'll post up the address and like we normally ride meet at five ride at six and do like a one to two hour ride it's been small compared to what it used to be but we have consistently <laughs> I'd say like you know anywhere from like three to seven or eight people on the league so it's, it's you know not not like it used to be but but I mean, that's awesome. You guys, are, you guys are still out there. You're still showing there you're a scene. And like, like I said, especially I say this all selfishly because I travel a lot in the summer. I want places to go ride mopeds. Like, that's why, that's why I always tell people have a weekly and know what moped scene. You can have a weekly ride on a weekend. I'm just saying. It doesn't have to be during the week. Like, somebody should bring in, like, Stater Saturdays or some shit like that. Like, it'd be rad to have, like, a weekly ride on the weekend. Because I'm adult as fuck. I have to wake up early. And, like, that's some reason why I've trailed off of um, the Thursday scene here. Because, like, it's hard to, like, go to ride till midnight and then wake up at 530 in the morning. Yeah, it's, uh, we, we try to keep it from, like, work, you know, after work hours for your standard, I guess, you know, business hours. But, yeah, it's always done Mondays. I I, I ride a lot. Like, I ride every weekend. Mm-hmm. I try to at least around town to get around and stuff. But I did host a little open wrench day at my house, um, I think, last week. And I had I got some like the other retired members and stuff that are still in town that don't really, you know, aren't too involved. I got a couple of them to come by and we did a little wrench day, fixed a moped and a scooter for somebody. And... Rad, rad. Okay, so cool. let's let's talk about bikes. your Urban Express you're running because, um, I just I have such a appreciation for them. Yeah, so that I got that bike. For like 200 bucks from Steve Bailey in our club. He used to like get a lot of bikes. He'd find all the deals. 
and uh, it was like pretty ratty, totally stock, hardwired it, got it running like 30 minutes after I bought it and rode it around stock for like a year or not a year, like a summer and slowly modified it like bit by bit. And uh, it was my first variated bike ever. I rode at the time, Andre had a pretty cool Urban Express and he was like, you want to try this variated bike? And I was like, I don't know, I've only rode like Poops and Tomos, you know, like what's this variated about? I rode it and I was like, okay, this is amazing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, I got to get one of these. And, and so then, yeah, I just kind of learned all that, sort of tuning the weights and, you know, put a cool pipe on it. I put, I think I put the Proma on it, just, you know, way to go with the Hondas. Did a PHVA car, so an extra one from the street mate. And uh, got a, like a stock ported cylinder, Hobbit cylinder for it. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it was just like a totally reliable stock ripper for a while. It did like 42 miles an hour stock cylinder with a promo pipe and a 14 PHVA. Dude, that's and, awesome. Yeah, I probably put 2,000, almost 3,000 miles on it that way, just riding it everywhere. And I uh, rode it to the point where the bearings just started going out. Like, you'd just, you'd hear it running. It's just like, you yeah. hear the bearings make noise. I was like, oh, this thing's clapped. And so at that point, I had, another member of our club had got a really nice Urban Express with the intent of putting a Hobbit subframe on it and didn't want the NU50 motor. And so I was just like, okay, here, I threw them some cash and they just gave me this nice NU50 motor. And uh, at the same time that uh, there was these, one of the members in our club found that there was like two treat sales that overlapped for like two hours between like 12 a.m. and 2 a.m. one day. <laughs> and uh, they like, both the coupons worked and four of us bought that water-cooled Melosi cylinder. Okay. Um, at the same time, because it's like, we got it for like 70% off or something. It was like $100 or less. Oh, you guys are the people. Okay. <laughs> and so I, I was like the only one that ended up ever running it that I know of. I think everybody else that had bought it, like sold it off. And uh, I was the first person in the Ghost Riders to be like running like a cool liquid-cooled kit regularly. And um, so I like built this urban motor, put that like a full kit on it. I had um, put the race gears in and, and done like a few other things to it. Um, one of the other members of the club, Matt, had made like a custom 16 wheel for an urban at one point, gave that to me for it. And uh, what else did I do? Yeah, I ran it like that. I got like a dirt bike radiator that I put on it. Um, windowed the variator. I played around with it a lot. Like it's kind of gone through like a few evolutions, but it's just been so reliable. It's my main thing I, I like about it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, let me let me ask you this, um, and I'll be the first one to admit it. It is. Oh my god! Like all of a sudden, like I get this whole roll of emails. And is water cooling a moped cheating? Uh, I wouldn't say so. I mean, it's like uh, wrong answer. Yes, like, it is. No, I'm fucking like with you. <laughs> I mean, the kits can make more power, which is kind of cool, but, like, to make water cooling work can be kind of a hassle. I see a lot of people, like, doing all these pumps and crazy things. I'm just, you don't like, need a fan it. of the thermosiphon. Yeah. So here's – so, Riley, like – so I did Baker's this year, and, like, I had the thermosiphon going, just had the wa- water cool treats head. And when my water temps would get a little high, like, when I say a little high – like 197 i had that uh honda cb 750 gas tank i would throw my feet up on the gas tank 
and it would actually make my bike more aerodynamic and I'd watch my water temps go down to like 160. And once I'm like, oh, it's getting a little cold. I put them back down. I'd lose a little speed and it just put up more wind resistance. And then I'd start, my temps would start climbing up again. Yeah, I've never actually measured the water temps in mine. I have a head temp sensor and it normally hangs out around like 260 in normal riding conditions. And like if I'm really ripping on it, it like gets up to like 300 head temp. But yeah, like mine were, my bike was running like 230s, 240s head temp, and my water was like, and I was running, do you run uh, straight water or are you running engine ice? Because I run the engine ice on mine, and that could be a difference maker too. Uh, I just have the regular like 50-50 mix, uh, oh, yeah. universal, freeze, you know, uh, yeah, yeah. the standard stuff. It's been in there for years. I filled it when I put the kit together back in like twenty. 18 and i've like never touched it since it's just i've never even had to take it apart nice that's beautiful so it is cheating because you're not doing any maintenance on a moped where i'm gonna call you out on it (laughs) i do a lot of maintenance on it just not on the top end yeah (laughs) uh, i'm constantly breaking rear spokes because it's just you know the those wheels weren't meant for a crazy little cooled cylinder so it's like breaking breaking the drive line mostly in it do you want to know the cheater behind the the spokes yeah Um, so zach gamble and nova and sam from boston uh they won bakers two a year ago on uh urban express and they broke in oregon they start breaking spokes left and right apparently the wallaroo rear wheel is the same spline shaft and the same wheel size as a urban express. So if you know, if you know an importer in Atlanta, Georgia, um, of mopeds <coughs> dose, they might have some Wallaroo wheels in stock is what I've heard, but just, hmm. yeah, just letting you know, there's my little urban express, uh, knowledge for you. Yeah, the wheels are a challenge. I've always been trying to like find or find a way to make a good rear wheel. I want a 16 on it just for the taller gearing because that urban like bikes gearing so much. And I really like the 16 spoke wheel I had in the back. So I've been I've been looking around trying to find a way. Like I've been thinking of trying to make like a beefier one using you know like spokes from something else or using a dirt bike outer hoop and like lacing it into like a reinforced hub or something. But you should talk. Nice Do you know who Lizzie is? From Ohio, Michigan, Lizzie's uh, wheels. Like, talk. She might be able to help you out with that if you want to. If you don't want to do it yourself, and I think we. It would be cool. Another option for Urban's. It's like the same thing, importing that thing, but it's uh, the PX, uh, the PX fifty mm-hmm. wheels or whatever. Yeah. The... Well, I'm just saying, yeah, I would, I would hit dose up to see what they got is what I'd try to do. Um, yeah, cause they're always good about the weird stuff. Um, speaking of weird stuff, I'm going to reach out to, I'm going to reach out to everybody now. If you have any 83 or 82 Honda, um, battery boxes, let me know. Cause I'm looking for like two, I need some, uh, PA 50. What? Okay. 
But yeah, I need the Hobbit. I need the Hobbit battery boxes. I need like two of them. So if anybody knows, just let help a guy out. Um, so what's the rest of your like? What's your rally season looking like? I it sounds like you're on the road for work. Um, I'm not even sure what you do. You can talk about it if you don't want to. That's cool. Um, what what's your rally season gonna look like the rest of the year? Uh, basically, I think I'm gonna make two more rallies. I'm gonna make the Hot Ready's retirement rally here um, coming up. Uh, finish this job, hopefully mm-hmm. at the end of this week, and then I have a few days off, and then one other little job, but it's conveniently in Illinois, so. I think it'll line up good with the rally. Uh, so definitely hitting that one, and then the zeros rally. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm going. I'm speaking to the boss. Some people I was talking about. It just Nova just hit me up. Um, I am going to be going to both of those, and I, I have, I, I might. I want to try to hit Mopit or like I saw the Holy Smokes that are doing their ride up in the in the leaf country of the northern of the northern part of the of the east coast and i think that'd be rad to get out there see benny and the kids benny and kate um fucking just such nice and rad people i hate them though i hate them because they're so damn beautiful fucking disgusting both of you you're too cute and gorgeous but i think that that'd be a fun ride to get up there um but yeah, are you working on any project bikes right now, or are you just kind of maintaining stuff? Yeah, I got one project bike in the works. It's still like pretty far from being anywhere. It's another Urban Express. It's uh, it's like a black frame with the blue decals. It's like totally stripped down. I have a motor that I'm like getting ready to rebuild. I've got the crank. I've got the you know the bearings, the seals, all this stuff. And it's basically going to be like kind of the the next iteration of the urban. So I really like my red urban, but I feel like it is kind of reaching its like end of life stage. The frame is pretty twisted and it's got a pretty decent crack down one side of the, the frame body. And like the rear wheel is getting to the point where it's like so angled. It's like kind of weird to ride. Like it turns left really well, but not right. Oh, it's campy. Ugh, yeah, yeah. I heard they have that issue because of the monoshock. Yeah, and there's really no good solution to it. I've I've tried to like design a few little ways to make it work. And I've seen like some scooters, they have like this bolt-on bracket to the engine case to add a shock and you know, it's something that could be done, but it's just uh I don't have access to those tools, so Yeah. Um we need to I need to put you into contact with my urban people because I think like yeah, I think you guys can make some magic. Uh I'll give you a, I'll let you listen to Zach sometime. Talk about Zach and Sam talk about urban expresses. Um, no, is I'm glad I got you on the show tonight and, um, I'm glad we got a little status update of the ghost riders and kind of how things are going there. Um, again, people, if you're ever in Grand Rapids, Michigan, Grand Rapids, Michigan, um, definitely check out their moped Mondays. Um, yeah, I, uh, is there anything you need want to talk about a little more, Riley? Or like, I'm just I'm having a hard time closing this one for some reason this week. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, we definitely hit like most of the the things of my moped life. I've you know got some stories and stuff, but what's, what, to mind. what's the dumbest? I I gotta bring it back. What's the dumbest thing you've ever done in mopeds besides getting into mopeds? Uh, dumbest thing. Um, 
Let me think here. Because like, I guess it's I, probably just really reckless on mopeds, like just you know what our traffic laws kind of you know blasting around it at night stuff. But yeah, like breaking collarbones, whatever, no big deal. <laughs> um, yeah, broken my knee on a moped. That's that's oh, it so far. That's terrible. Um, but no, I can't thank you enough, Riley, for coming on Second Chance Moped Podcast. Um, don't forget, everybody, like, listen, subscribe. And no, you can email me every once in a while. I forgot to like give people my email. I haven't done that for a while. Secondchancemoped at gmail.com. I got a really nice note from somebody on Moped Army um, the other week. And like, definitely hit, like, say nice things to Jason. Like, the poor boy had a little spill on a moped here. He probably needs his spirits lifted up. So definitely hit Jason up at Moped Monday and tell him how much you like the show. Uh, Riley, can't thank you enough for coming on Second Chance. Um, I will definitely see you at a couple rallies this year. And don't forget, mopeds are dumb. <laughs> see ya. Uh-huh.